Here's another outside the box. Hoping you can trust me on this feature. Today's topic is civil rights officers. I don't trust the cops. Do you? They use too much force. They stop people for no good reason. They sometimes brutalize people or even kill them, even when those they hurt or kill are not a threat. They arrest too many people. These harmful actions happen especially with people of color, low-income people, LGBTQIA folks, those who practice certain religions, etc. For many, the police are feared more than they're trusted. So when LD 1999, an act to require civil rights officers at law enforcement agencies was introduced, I was encouraged. It would require all police departments to have a civil rights officer to document any civil rights violations and then send that information to the Attorney General's office. Violations could be based on skin color, gender, sexual orientation, religion, economic status, or other traits. An example of a violation could be stopping someone for driving while black. So I got on my soapbox at the LD 1999 hearing, and here is some of what I wrote and said. Members of the Criminal Justice and Public Safety Committee, I identify as a white person, age 76, and I do not trust the police. If I don't trust them, imagine how many people who are younger or less middle class, less formally dressed, or darker skinned, or who drive older beat-up cars, also don't trust them. Many will not call police for any reason. Others will call only as an act of desperation. If police are seen as a threat, not a help, what good are they? How do we reinvent policing into public safety, where those who are not trusted by so many can instead be a trusted part of our community? After the murder of George Floyd in Minnesota, and in Maine as well, many believe we would be better off without police. Perhaps a volunteer safety watch would be more effective, and at least trusted by more of the public. Part of this has to do with training. In Minneapolis, police were trained to follow a supervising officer, not intervene, even when the officer was murdering George Floyd. Training priorities are upside down. Over 50 hours of weapons training, but less than 10 on nonviolent intervention as part of a curriculum of 480 hours. The emphasis on doing weapons, on using weapons, is also true at the Maine Criminal Justice Academy. Police are trained to protect their own lives, including even in situations where a perceived threat is someone with no weapon or who is just a depressed human looking for a suicide by cop. In the recently released second annual report of the Deadly Force Review Panel, the majority of the 10 shootings, not all fatal, sounded like they were suicide attempts by the person holding the gun. Several got their wish. 
Almost no one is a threat. They're only a threat if they feel threatened, such as by an armed police officer who is trained to see another person doing anything out of the ordinary or non-cooperating in some way as a threat. Many of those perceived but not real threats are from those who look or act different. LD-1999 provides a good list of those different people. One that's missing and I hope will be added is disability, since, as an example, a person who's deaf or or hearing impaired may not hear what an officer is telling them to do and appear non-compliant. Can we create a more trusting relationship between the public and police that does not currently exist? If law enforcement agencies truly want all the public to trust them, they'll support this bill. I have my doubts because it can take some power away from police to use force whenever they think it's necessary, but I remain hopeful. I had a lot to say about this bill, more from my testimony in another outside the box. Should we have civil rights officers embedded in local police departments and publish any infractions by cops? I'm Larry Danzinger, wanting to trust police, but finding it hard to do so.